Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast. A monastery in Thailand decided to relocate and they needed to make room for all that was going to be there. And they, the reason for this was because there was going to be a highway coming through where this monastery was. So they started, the monks started moving everything. And one of the things that they needed to move was a big, beautiful, roughly hewn clay Buddha. So now they started to move this. They had saved this for last. And they brought in a crane. And what happened was as they started to move it, the, cra- the clay began to crack a little bit. And they realized it was far too heavy. They needed to bring in a greater tool, a bigger, more more people, more tools, everything, so that they could move this without breaking it, because it had been there for well over 200 years, and they wanted to do it right. So they covered it that night so that that crack wouldn't be a problem, and we, you know, um, because they were expecting rain, they didn't want moisture to get into that clay and somehow compromise the beauty of this sacred lovely statue of the Buddha. So during the night, as it began to rain, the senior monk got concerned. He went out to where this Buddha was, and he saw that indeed the tarp had begun to sort of blow away, and there was a crack, and yes, he was concerned. He got up closer. There seemed to be some gold or something shining through that. He got a little closer, and he got very curious, and he began, he began to tap away and to scrape and to peel and to cleanse that clay. And what was revealed underneath was a 10 pound, two and a half ton, golden, solid gold Buddha. It was, its current value is somewhere around two and a half million dollars, but that was not why, why it mattered to them. So the legend goes that 300 years prior to that, it was Siam at that time. The monks knew that the Burmese had invaded, invaded their borders and they were coming and they knew that if the Burmese army saw this beautiful gold statue, they would certainly want it because of its monetary value. They would melt that gold down. So they covered it with 12 inches of clay, 12 inches of mud all over it. And the monks sadly perished in the battle. The Burmese army left the statue there, and the legend, the story, the truth, that shine was forgotten. Until that surface, that clay began to be stripped away. So as I thought about this story, I began to look at the ways in which you and I, as we are on the journey, and we experience all of those things that add layer upon layer upon layer, of mud, of grit, of something that would cover that who we are, that divine presence that we are, that golden light. Because many of us grew up not knowing that we had that golden Buddha within us, that golden Christ, that golden whatever it is that you want to call it. Many of us did not know that. And even if we did as children, we may be at this place Today, we're, we have forgotten it. Now, it is said that the spiritual journey is one of forgetting and remembering, forgetting and remembering. I remember as a child, 
when I was probably seven or eight, I loved music. I loved to play piano. I loved to sing, and I would sing full voice, full throated, as loudly as I could. And of course, my parents were fiercely proud because look at their star daughter. And so whenever anybody came over, they said, "You have to hear her play." I remember one Christmas, my aunt, my uncle, my cousins came over. Now. It's very interesting how we take our definition of who we are from other people. And so I go right into it. My mom and my dad said, oh, you have to hear Sydney play. She's been playing just for a little while, and you're really, we're really proud of her. We're really, really proud of Sydney's over here going, oh no. There was something within me that, that did not trust this experience. Years later, as I look back, I understand why I didn't trust it. My aunt, was crazy and my uncle was cranky. <laughs> I didn't fully know that at that time. I didn't have the, the, the lexicon for communication. I didn't have those tools, but I started to play and they regained their, they, they restarted their conversation. My cousins started laughing and making fun of me and they all left the room and there I was. And I ran from the room just barely holding back those tears. See now, my own counsel within knew that something was uncomfortable. But I buried that. I buried that. That golden truth that said, this, this is not your place. These are not your people. <laughs> they really weren't my people. You know, it's interesting. We end up being related to people we never choose as friends, right? You know this? <laughs> it's all part of the growth experience. So I remember thinking about that story, if I could have covered myself with 12 inches of mud, believe me, I really truly would have. You and I are sacred, unique creations. We are spiritual DNA. Now, if you know anything about DNA, if you know anything about biology or chemistry, DNA cannot be replicated, it cannot be copied, you, you cannot, at least at this point, you can't clone humans, right? So I want everyone to know that we cannot be cloned. We are here as unique, spiritual, fabulous, dazzling creations of spirit with a helix of divine and earthly. And I have to tell you, the earthly is just as divine as that divine. So we are woven together in this helix of experience. Now, it's popular in New Thought communities to use the phrase, we are divine beings having a human experience. But what I know is that we are spiritual beings, we are divine beings having a spiritual experience on a spiritual plane, and we are here to master, to govern, to learn to live within spiritual laws so that we can experience our full divinity. But again, if we've been living according to the idea that we are covered in mud, and many of us cover ourselves in mud because it feels safer, it seems like the way, what we should do. Protect yourself, don't be vulnerable. Whatever you do, don't be vulnerable. So my purpose here today is to offer a way back to knowing yourself as golden, to knowing yourself as that creative, beautiful, limitless being, that creative golden child, whether you call it the golden Buddha, that golden Christ pattern for perfection, whatever you call that, we all come from that. Now, just as an aside, um, 
Many of you are probably regular attendees of this community or familiar with New Thought, but if you are not, I want to offer um, a different iteration of God. Now, God, if the word God makes you squidgy, and it does for many of us, then I want you to know that I'm talking about God as a presence, as a quantum field. Charles Fillmore years ago defined it as ether. This is an energetic field that responds and co-responds corresponds to who and what we are and what we think, what we feel, what we believe, and what we know, what we do, what we say. So we are doing this dance. Come Holy Spirit, dance with me. Holy as opposed to H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L-E, whole spirit. So rather than imagine God as an old, cranky white guy sitting up in a cloud with a beard with, who is capricious, moody, and has fallen off his anger meds, let's think of God as present, as presence, as good organized design, glorious organized design, ordered design. Come up with your own acronym. And again, as I said, Call it God, call it spirit, call it presence, call it friend. It does not care what you call it. Okay? Howard Thurman was a black scholar who worked with Martin Luther King Jr. and is known for talking about liberation theology. And his belief was that we are all here to help each other through our own liberation and to liberate each other from oppression of the spiritual kind, the economic kind, the, um, the, the social kind, the, the, the prejudice kind, also poverty, all of those ideas. He spoke against that, but what we know in New Thought is all oppression of here starts in here. So we are here for spiritual liberation. We are here for, for a clear knowing of who and what we are. Because as we are clear on that, that we are perfect, divine, exactly as we are creations, underneath all the mud that we've applied, by the way, ourselves or had help. As we know that, then the world gets to know that too. We know it for them. They know it for them. And Wow, isn't that something? We all begin to show up in a way that's more powerful, more loving, more perfect. And so Howard Thurman wrote these words. The true purpose of all spiritual disciplines is to clear away whatever may block our awareness of that which is God in us. Now, 500 years before that, Meister Eckhart, who was a German mystic, a Dominican monk, who, by the way, was ostracized and excommunicated, he said the same thing, and this is why they kicked him out of the church. God expects one thing of you, and that is that you should let God be God in you. No wonder, right? And he also wrote this, become aware of what is in you. Announce it, pronounce it, produce it, and give birth to it. Anybody grow up with that kind of encouragement? <laughs> Whatever it is you are. <laughs> Announce it, pronounce it, produce it, declare it, give birth to it. Most of us were told, stop, settle down, bury that a little bit. You're too much. <laughs> we don't, we don't need, you're embarrassing me. We don't need to see that, right? And as I look back on that experience with my relatives and playing piano, you know what the emotion was that as an adult I can identify? It was shame. It was shame. A seven-year-old with shame. What the heck is that about? 
That's not real. That's not right. So here's what I'm thinking of. Are we willing to pronounce, to announce, to produce, to give birth to the truth of who we are? That dream that has been hiding, that passion that you have perhaps denied, thinking, oh, I, it, it would be... Um, it would be selfish of me, right? It would be selfish if I just stand forth in all of my glory and celebrate as a powerful being and do that which I want to do. They'll say I'm crazy and they'll say I'm selfish and people will not understand who and what I am. You know what? I have to say BS. <laughs> belief system. What is your belief system about that? you got to call BS on that. You really, really do. Because if we have a belief system that says... I am serving the world by being less. I am serving the world by being disempowered. I am serving the world by being a martyr. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Edith Bucker somehow just came to my mind. Archie! <laughs> yes, I am like a Labrador Retriever. Shiny! Um, but if we believe that that serves the world, Holy cow, that is not the truth. I need you to know, I need all of us to know, and I need me to know, by the way, that me being anything less than 100%, 1,000% glorious, powerful, aware, anything less than that does not heal the world. It really does not heal the world. Now, one of the things that's interesting is that we teach being open and receptive to divine ideas, knowing that that divine idea comes from a deeper presence, a deeper place, a bigger place, and that it is here to bless and to support and to, embrace and to, to enrich you and to enrich the world. And yet, when we go out into the world, that is not the experience. We tend not to have that experience. And many of us hold on to a story that says, I am less than this. I'm not good enough. We've allowed other people to define us. Yeah, the world gets to define us. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. You are defined. I am defined by spirit. And that is infinite. That is limitless. And the thing is, when we are holding on to these stories of, Sydney, don't play piano. We don't want to hear you right now. Or, um, don't be that gift, don't be a singer, don't be a musician, don't be an artist, don't be a typist, whatever it is, don't be fabulously glorious, don't be straight, don't be gay, whatever it is. Those stories, they don't allow room for the real story to come in. There's an old saying, a thought that I remember growing up with, the space for that which you want is being occupied by that which you settled for. Yeah, that'll piss you off. Weird. <laughs> what have you said? Yeah. The space for that which you want is being occupied for that which you settle for. What did you settle for? What have any of us settled for? What is the story that you've been telling? Because that space for the true story is being occupied by the false story, right? The BS. That golden Buddha that we are has been covered up by the mud, you know, which again, when I ran out of that room crying as a seven-year-old girl, I wanted to take a trowel and just like mud all over me. So we, 
we do this. 12 inches sounds good. 12 inches of mud covering out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, anybody familiar with the Nag Hammadi Gospels? So in 1945, I think it was, Gospels were discovered um, deep in the hills of, I think it was Afghanistan. Somebody can correct me. I might just make it up. Um, but these were Gospels that, were, that didn't make the final cut for the Bible, basically, because they didn't fulfill the agenda. Um, and this is what the Gospel of Thomas says. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. So the truth of your being, this thing that you have perhaps denied or not looked at, is the greater truth of who you are, capital T, truth. And our fear that it will not be received, that we won't be able to do it, that we're too old, we're too, we're too young, we're too black, we're too white, we're too straight, we're too gay, we're too whatever we are, we're too fat, we're too skinny, that story is not the truth. The spiritual truth is that we need you to be who you are. We need you to be that artist. We need you to be that goal. However that goal shows up is what we need. And that's what you are called to do. That is that song from within your soul. The big truth is that until you and I do acknowledge our own divine purpose, and that's that thing that keeps tapping at the tapping on you on your shoulder and says, hello, come on, come on, and we push it away, we push it away. But until we acknowledge it, until we truly, truly do that, we will not be able to heal the planet. We won't be healing situations anywhere in this country or the world because we serve nothing by being less than what we are. We serve nothing. Michael Beckwith wrote, pain pushes to the vision poles. So if you are in pain, look at what you are not listening to. Look at what wants to be completely peeled away with that mud that's covering you up. What is that gold that's shining through? What is it that you can begin to cleanse off, peel away, so that you can uh, allow that pain which is occupying the space be replaced by the vision of the divine that you are, the gift that you bring, first to yourself, then to everybody else. What is the vision? What is that vision that is being, that, that wants you, that's trying to get your attention? I know for myself that it starts off as a beautiful, sweet voice, and then it gets a little louder, and then it gets a little louder, and then it starts to show up maybe in my finances. Then it might start to show up as a problem in relationships. Then it starts to show up as a physical pain. That's the one that gets my attention. I might look at the money and say, oh, well, we've got to work with that. Or I might look at the relationship, look at my husband and say, you need to change now. <laughs> but then when I get the pain, the physical pain, that's the one. That's the one. Because if I can't move and I'm not free and flexible, I, that's, that's just wrong. So then I have to begin to look at what is the pain wanting to tell me? What is, what is the vision that it is trying to move me toward? What is that? You know, the way out is always the way through. Darn it. 
I so wish that we could all just go around. Can we take the detour, right? Take the business route and not have to go through all of our emotional traffic, all of our spiritual traffic, all of that stuff that's been clogging up our, our pipeline. But if we want to get to that goal, we're gonna to have to go through that mud. And it will take courage, it will take commitment. And you know what? It's going to take joy. Because if you can handle that with a sense of joy, and look at what we are doing now. Look what's coming next. What, look what is possible here. Ah, the mud falls away. And the gold is revealed. Um, one of the things that I know that you'll, you'll probably say is, Sydney, but I've suffered so. I don't know my story. You don't know what he did to me or she did to me. I get very committed to my stories. One of my teachers used to say, that which I was committed to, I shouldn't have been committed for. <laughs> and it applies to so many areas of life, don't you think? <laughs> so Jesus the teacher said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now he didn't say, be gently shifted by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say, oh, just move a little bit over here and do a little self-help by the renewing of your mind. Just be a little more ish, a little less meh by the renewing of your mind. He said, be transformed. Holy cow. And you know what? That transformation is already here. We have that. We have that. And how we want to get to it is to listen, to acknowledge, to recognize, and then I invite you to live into that vision. Live as that vision. Live as that space where something wants to be born. Charles Fillmore said, the law of growth is in beholding. Behold it. It is true now. It is true now. Christian D. Larson said, the soul that lives most perfectly in the present creates most nobly for the future. Yes, live in this present moment as that place where your vision is true now. Ernest Holmes said we need to prepare for our demonstration. We need to become that place. Every year I do a talk around Christmas and it's called A Clear and Present Manger. <laughs> it's different every year, but the idea is that you and I are to become the mangers to birth this new idea that that Christ-like, by the way, Christ, you know, Christ was not Jesus' last name, right? <laughs> Christ means anointed, awake, aware. So it is that awareness life, that Buddha life, that, that awakening, that a life, that life in you. So we are to create a major within ourselves to birth that. And you know, when, when the legend says, and I look at it allegorically, that when Joseph and Mary found the manger, they had to clean up a lot of stuff. <laughs> sweep it out, animals have been there, some of you have horses, you know what that means. <laughs> they had to sweep up all of the, the BS, so that there was a clean, clear place, now I'm making up words, space, for the light to be born. Clean it up. Begin to move into that presence, that knowing, that now knowing, that who and what you are, that voice, that dream, that desire, is absolutely fully formed within you. It is. The only thing it needs is you. That's it. You're the only thing missing. 
I invite you to become that. And so.